This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. My message tonight, lost, nice and simple, lost. I have a character trait in my life, or I don't know whether it's a character trait, but I, but I have a habit in my life where I hate being lost. I hate not knowing where I'm going. I, I hate getting to that point where it's like, okay, I know, I, I know where I should be, but I'm just not there. And, you know, it, it, some cities are bizarre the way they're laid out. I, I don't know whether you've ever driven in Hobart. Anyone ever driven in Hobart? It's one of those cities where you can be driving down the middle of Hobart and all of a sudden, it's a one-way street the other side of the intersection. And it, it's because I, I don't know whether they have electricity in Tasmania there or not um, at this stage, but there was one intersection in particular where it was just a single sign up above that said that you had to turn both ways um, and it was because it was a one-way street after that. And it's like... What you get to that point where it's like, well, I know where I need to be, but there's a blockage in the way of me getting there. And I hate those times in my life. You know, I, I had an experience also driving around Brisbane once because there's parts of Brisbane where it's all one-way streets. And we went up there for a conference one year and um, I did the foolish thing and drove up there rather than fly up there. And, and so, you know, we parked at our, conv- uh, our accommodation and I said, well, I'll go to the supermarket. And I could actually physically see the supermarket. It was just over there. But do you think I could get to it? Because every street around it was a one-way street. And it was like, how do you eat in this city when you can't even get to the supermarkets? And it's like sometimes in in my life, they're the times I, I just, I don't like those times. I don't like that time of being, that, that feeling of being lost. I equally don't like losing things. Now, we go on holidays um, as at Sunday afternoon. Um, so we, Pastor Lynette and myself will be away for the next four weeks um, enjoying Queensland. And so um, just as COVID broke out, we brought a caravan and we did the tester trip to Bright. So this is like the first real you know, trip in the, in the caravan. We're only there for a couple of nights. But you know when everything's new, you don't have process, because process in life is important. Well, we'd packed up the van and I went to lock the door and I couldn't find the key. I couldn't, I just physically couldn't find the key. It, I lost it. And I reckon, what did we spend, the next hour and a half? Okay, we're preaching, so we'll say an hour and a half because that's what happens. Where we were retracing our steps. You know, well, actually, I was retracing my steps. I thought, well, I went here. So we went back, no. Carrying keys aren't there, no, they're not here, they're not there. They were totally lost. It's a horrible feeling. It's a feeling where it's like I've lost something important and it's like I, I, I just don't like that feeling. And what happened was we didn't find the keys. And so then I started to get real grumpy because it's like, well, what are we going to do? Because one of the doors I had to lock was the door on the side, it's called the side boot, and there was no handle or anything, what actually kept it shut was the lock. And so I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And so I had to do the, the, um, the MacGyver thing and I roped it up so it wouldn't fall open as I was driving. And all the way home, I'm looking in the mirror going, is it still shut? Is it still shut? It was a horrible feeling. Well, the flip side to that story is I got back and guess where the keys were? 
they were in my pocket. I say, well, didn't you check there, Pastor? I checked there multiple times. But what had happened was, you know how jeans have a coin pocket, a little pocket above the pocket? When I slipped them in my pocket, I actually slipped them in the coin pocket, not the main pocket, and that's why I couldn't find them because I kept checking, you know, you do this. You know, when you're old, you do instead of heads and shoulders, knees and toes, you do phone, keys and something else. Where it's like you're doing, you're doing this to try, try and find where I was. I hate those feelings where I've lost something, especially if it's important. Well, can I let you know tonight that we've all lost something? We are all, mankind has actually lost something. And when we look at Genesis chapter 3, we're going to read from verse 8. It says this, when the cool of the evening breeze were blowing, the man and his wife heard the, Lord, heard the Lord God walking in the garden. So they hid from the Lord amongst the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. This moment is the unveiling of the lost state of mankind. See, previous to this, previous to Adam and Eve partaking of that which God told them not to partake of, everything was sweet in life. No weeds, no winter, I believe, because you know, it was a perfect place and so it would have just been summer all year round. You know, and so there's this moment where it's like all of a sudden mankind understood at this point in their existence that they'd lost the most important thing in their life, relationship with God. And God makes a statement when he comes down in his usual manner, walking in the cool of the evening in the garden to commune with man and to um, converse and just chat about life. You know, it's that moment where it's like, hey, Adam, what'd you do today? God knew what he would have done, but he would have had that conversation to draw him out and to build relationship with him. It's like, hey, Eve, what happened today? What'd you do? What'd you make? What'd you discover in this beautiful garden that I've created for you? And there was this moment where God went and all of a sudden he knew that Adam wasn't at their usual meeting spot. Where are you? And Adam goes, I was afraid and so I hid. And so mankind at that point, there was a disruption in the beautiful relationship that Adam and Eve and the rest of mankind could have had with God. Now, thankfully, Jesus Christ corrected that at the cross and we can have that relationship restored with us um, through the cross. But we need to understand that in life, there are still things that are lost to us. There's a great parable, or actually there's a set of parables in Luke chapter 15. So we're going to turn there, Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at the middle parable, the one that everyone skips. Is that all right if we do that? We often look at the first parable and we often look at the last parable. We're going to look at the middle one and spend our time there tonight. I've been keen to preach this tonight. So I'm glad you've come so I'm not preaching just to a camera again because they were horrible days. Luke chapter 15 and verse 8 it says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? 
And when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God, in the presence of God's angels, whenever one sinner repents. So this parable is about a lost coin, a coin that had been lost, a coin that she once had, but all of a sudden it was gone. Now, I don't know the process of how she discovered that the coin was gone. I don't know how long the coin had been missing, but all of a sudden there was a moment where it was like, "Ah, it's gone, it's gone. There was 10 and now there's nine. Because what we have to understand, this was more than just a coin. This was more than just a coin in this woman's life. Because we, I mean, our coins are worth nothing, are they not? You might think, no, they're worth $2 is our greatest coin. Well, I want to tell you, years ago, I could buy lunch for 20 cents. That's how old I am, young people. I could buy lunch. I remember going to the canteen with my five cents and buying an icy pole. I remember those days. I remember when a, when a pie was 15 cents or something like that. I, I remember those days. Yeah, some of you are older than that. When I first started driving, one of my jobs in my first job was to make sure that the boss's car had fuel in it. And so I would go to the petrol station every day to make sure his car had fuel in it. Guess how much fuel was? 32 cents a litre. That's correct. Good guess. 32 cents a litre was how much fuel was when I first started driving. And I remember after a little while, it jumped to 35 cents a litre and everyone was outraged. Everyone was like, because it was 32 litres for a long time, and, and then when it jumped to 35 cents a litre, it was like everyone was like, what's happening? Oh, that we could bring those days back. Oh, that we could return. I've got to drive, what is it, 700 kilometres or something, something like that, and I'm thinking the, ga- the diesel prices are going up, so we should leave now, tonight, escape. No, I've got to be here tomorrow, that's correct. So for this lady, it was more than just a coin, because we think, coin. Coin. I mean, the young people just recently did um, change for change, where it's like they stood on corners in the middle of raging traffic and asked people to give them their coins. And people probably just threw them at you because, you know what, they're not worth much. Just throw it out. It's like, but for this lady, it was more than just a coin. In actual fact, some of the coins back in those days was equal to a day's wage for us. You know, that coin in the fish's mouth that Jesus told Peter to go and catch and check the mouth of the fish and there was a coin, you know, that, that was worth four days' wages. And, you know, but it was a single coin. And so we look at that, and, but for this lady, and I've read some commentaries that say that this coin was actually part of her wedding dowry. And if you look at some pictures of, of women at that time, they would often wear um, a string with coins across the top of, of their forehead and there'd be ten coins there. And it was part of their, um, their, their presentation. It, it was part of who they was. It was part of her identity um, that she was pure. It was part of her identity that she hadn't been married before. And, and so there's this, there's, there's this moment where it's like, you know, it's gone. And so this was more than just a coin. It actually made up part of her identity. It made up part of who she was. 
encourage you tonight that the one is worth fighting for. The one is for... So in our life, there's things that are part of our identity that the devil wants to rob, kill, destroy out of our life. And often we just go, ah, it's only a coin. If it's part of your identity, can I encourage you to wrestle? Can I encourage you to fight for it? Can I encourage you to get before God and get before the Holy Spirit and go, God, what is it that I've just, in my life, where I've just settled for, oh, well, that's just the way it is. Instead of going, you know what, that coin belongs to me, and if that coin belongs to me, I'm going to find that coin and I'm going to return it back to the place where it should be. Because often what happens is we have the attitude where it's like, oh, I've got another nine. I've got another nine coins. It won't matter. It won't matter if I've, you know, well, got nine. What's one? What's one coin out of ten? Can I encourage you that the one is worth fighting for? Why? Because we're incomplete without it. Our identity is incomplete when we allow that to be lost out of our life. So her solution, and can I encourage you that your solution to find what is lost is number one, you have to light a lamp. Light a lamp. I'll read it for you. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house? If you're looking for something, you've got to light a lamp because it's hard to find things in the dark. As I was preparing this message this week, I got this statement when I was thinking about light. And the statement is this, darkness is the devil's domain. I'm going to say that again. Darkness is the devil's domain. And if you're playing with dark things, you're actually playing in the devil's territory. If you're playing with things that aren't inspired and lightened by God, you're actually playing in the domain of the devil. John 3.19, let's turn there. John 3.19 says this, and judgment is based on this fact. God is Oh, God's light came into the world, but the people loved darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. I'm going to read that again. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but, but people loved darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. See, we need to understand that the light that came into into the world is Jesus Christ. That's what it's talking about here. The light, Jesus Christ's light came into the world, but the problem is people love darkness. Now, sadly, and I don't want to get too, and no, actually, maybe I do want to get a little bit pointed here tonight. It's like, so I'm, I'm horrified at what people, the movies some people watch and the shows some people watch, because really it's the occult it's the occult, and what we do is we open ourselves up to some of that stuff because, you know what, we love darkness. We like to hide. You might say, oh, no, Pastor Trevor, I really like the light. There's days in my life, I'm going to be really honest, where I don't like the light because I don't like what the light exposes in my heart. I don't like what the light might reveal in my heart. And, you know, there, there's, there's certain things that we will feast on there's certain things we will go to with in complete ignorance, just like Adam and Eve, where all of a sudden it's like the devil's there going, you'll be right, because I'm sure the devil 
was an Australian. I can prove this because if you look at Genesis chapter 3, he says to Eve, he goes, did God really say? And she said, well, if we eat that tree, we will surely die. And the devil goes, she'll be right, mate. She'll be right. She'll be right. In actual fact, she'll be so right that you will be like God. See, our humanity is drawn towards darkness. We need to understand that if we're going to find what's lost, we have to light a lamp. We have to get into the light because you will find so much more when you get into light. In actual fact, the really good things and the expensive things are revealed in the light. If ever you've lost a diamond out of your ring, you know the easiest way to find a diamond if you've lost it? Get a really bright light and shine it around. Get on the floor. I've had to do this. Where, you know, because at church people lose diamonds and that sort of stuff out of their rings. And so I've spent, um, I was going to say hours, but I've spent time on the floor, lying down on the floor with a torch, shining at carpet level so I can see the sparkle from the diamond. And I've found lots of diamonds in church that way. So after church tonight, young people, shine a light. Matthew chapter 4, verse 16. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Oh, come on, church. Because, see, humanity is drawn towards darkness, but all of a sudden it's like, because this is quoting Isaiah, where it's like, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. For those who live in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. See, again, this light that it's speaking about is Jesus Christ. And so in darkness, there's... Our world is so dark in so many hours, uh, so many places, but I want to tell you that there is a bright light that shines. Because if we go to um, verse, 17, uh, verse 17, which is the next one, it says, From then on Jesus began to preach, repent, for your, uh, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That is the light. The light of his message is this is that mankind needs to repent from their darkness and turn to the light. And when that happens, we find stuff. We find that lost coin. We find that healing. We find that revelation. We find that gifts of the Spirit. We find that out, fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We find those things when we turn from darkness and we turn to light. See, God is the creator of light. He is a God of light. In actual fact, the Bible says this, that in him there is no darkness, there is only light. And you can read that in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1 verses 5 through to 7 talks about, and in actual fact, I'll read it for you. It says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light, there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, um, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Can, can, Can I just talk about the process here? Because often what we do is we read this scripture where it's like, well, the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin. There's a process. You know, it doesn't just happen. It says this, verse 7, if we are living in the light, everyone say light, as God is in the light, and we have, um, then we have fellowship with one another. 
tomorrow I'm going to talk a little bit about unity. Unity is really hard when we're not living in the light. Because if we're not living in the light, we can't trust each other. Because there's a darkness around our actions and our heart and our motives and all that sort of stuff when we're not living in the light. But when we're living in the light, this is what it says here, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, will cleanse us from all sin. So God is the God of light. And so if you want to find those things that belong to you in the spiritual that are lost, like this lady's coin was, first thing she did was that she lit a light. And I just want to read for you Psalm 119, verse 5, because this is a source of light for you. Psalm 119, verse 5 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. You're going to, because you can come to me tonight and say, but Pastor Trevor, I, I'm not sure what torch I should use. I'm not sure what light source I should have in my life. His word, your word, God's word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I love, and Pastor Daniel mentioned it last week when he was preaching about the fact that it's a lamp for our feet. I, I, I love it's not a searchlight. I love it's not, I mean, on my four-wheel drive, I have some pretty bright lights. You can almost cook eggs on them. It's how bright they are. In actual fact, at a kilometre and a half away from my car, it is still too bright for people to look at. They're bright lights. And what I have to do is when I'm driving and there's a hill, I have to, you know how you can see the car coming on the other side of the hill? I have to dip my lights long before they're there because if my, if my driving lights are on, it's like they're, they're just not seeing anything. I'm glad that God's word is not that light in my life. I, I, you know why? Because I only need to see one step. We are such control freaks that we want to see the outcome before we take the first step. I'm going to say that again because it wasn't in my notes and I think it's important that I hear it as much as you do. Is We are so much control freaks in life that we want to know the outcome before we take the first step. You know why it's a lamp? Because you only need to know the next step. Because this is the way a lamp works. If this microphone is the lamp, I can only see from here to there. But when I take this step, guess what? Now I can see to here. Now when I take this step, guess what? See to here. The problem is when we leave the light over here, I can see here and then we take a step, I can't see where I'm going. And so we need to understand that his word is something that needs to be continually in our life. Why? Because it reveals each step along the way. The second thing she does is sweep the house. She sweeps the house. Not only does she light a lamp, but she actually sweeps the house. She gets in under those places that the light maybe can't get to. In the, she just sweeps, sweeps the house, sweeps the house. And can I encourage you that you need to keep sweeping. This came so strong to me this week as I was preparing this message. Someone here in this room needs to hear this. You just need to, don't, don't you dare put that broom down. Don't you dare put that broom down. Don't stop. Don't allow other stuff around you to become the reason that you stop sweeping. Because the moment you stop sweeping, you will never find the coin. The moment you stop, the coin will be lost. And the longer you leave it, the less important it becomes. The longer we leave things, the less important they are or they become to us. 
Can you imagine the first day she's sweeping the house, she's got the lamp, she's looking and she doesn't find it. So the next day she gets up and she goes, well, I've still got nine, but there's still one missing. So with passion, she starts sweeping the house again. She starts looking again because she knows it's somewhere. She knows it's there somewhere. Well, if she doesn't find it that day, guess what? She might get up the next day and become content with the nine and think, you know what, I've still got nine. Well, eventually the thing in her life will be, well, you know what, I've got nine. And someone will say to her one day, there's something missing. She goes, yeah, I know, but I've got nine. It's in the house somewhere. It's there somewhere. So the longer you leave the light and the sweeping, the less important it becomes to us. You will become content with the nine instead of enjoying the ten. So the next thing she does is when she finds that coin, guess what she does? She rejoices. Hey, church, if we're not careful, because of a season we've been through, we've forgotten how to rejoice. (laughs) We've forgotten how to have joy. We've forgotten how to smile. A lot of conversations I've had with good Christians this year and last year have been, oh, the doom, oh, the gloom, oh, this, oh, that. Oh, the government, oh, this, oh, that. I had a conversation with someone the other day um, and, and they were like, oh, Australia, so, they don't live in Australia, Australia is such a bad nation. And I said, what? I don't talk about my nation that way. I live in a beautiful nation. I love in a sunburnt, I love, I live in a sunburnt country. I, I reckon I've done a little bit of travelling in life and I reckon Australia is the best nation in the world. Even better than America, I reckon. (laughs) Americans know how to do some things well. Yeah, not many. Don't be offended. Rejoice. (laughs) Oh, the joy. Oh, the joy. She finds the missing piece. She finds that part, because remember, we talked about it before, the coin was part of her identity. She found her identity again. Woohoo! It's good to rejoice. Not only did she find it, but she threw a party. She goes to her neighbors and say, Hey, rejoice with me. She went to her friends and said, Hey, I'm feeling a little bit complete again. I'm feeling a little bit better again. I'm feeling a little bit more like a son or a daughter of God. And so come on, let's rejoice. So when that happens, oh, we need to rejoice with them. One of the plagues in church life is we become jealous. And I've seen this time and time and time and time again. I've had people leave church because someone else got a position that they were coveting. You know why they didn't get the position? Because they were coveting it. And the Bible says, do not cover or do not covet. Not cover, do not covet. And, And so if we're not careful, we can become jealous when someone else is elevated to something that or asked to do something that we want to do, that we think we have a right to do. I went many years, well, not many years, but when I was at Bible college, I was helping to serve. And in that church, they didn't have a music director. And it was something that I would have loved to have done. I would have loved to have ran the music for them. There was a need there, and in my heart, I would have loved to have done it. Anyway, the pastor comes to me one day and says, hey, Trevor, I've got a job for you. And I said, beauty, here it comes. I'm going to be music director. I'm going to pick the songs. I'm going to tackle the most demanding job in the church. 
and I'm going to love it. He said this, he says, we need a kid's person to lead the kid's church. And I went, yeah, who are you going to get to do that? (laughs) Who are you thinking of? You want some suggestions? Because I can make some suggestions. He goes, I would like you to run our kid's ministry. I smiled on the outside and grumbled on the inside. I didn't let the grumble out. I said, you know what? Phil was his name. I said, Pastor Phil, I would love to do that. And guess what? We had a blast. We had a blast running kids' church. We had a blast doing that. And and so it, it was good fun. Not what I wanted to do. Not what I wanted to do. But you know what? I could rejoice with the person who was doing it. And I could also rejoice with the kids that we were developing. I mean, what an honor to teach the word of God to kids. It was a privilege. So we need to rejoice. So in closing, heaven's response to the lost being found. Because as I said before, this is the meat in the middle of a sandwich of parables about the lost. And every time it talks about in this parable how when one sinner returns, that the angels and all of every heaven rejoices. Just win one. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 15, verse 7. Luke 15, verse 7 says this. This is out of the first parable. It says, In the same way there is more rejoy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who, who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Just one. All of heaven rejoices. Luke 15, verse 10 which is the parable we've been looking at tonight, in the same way there is joy in the presence of God's angels even when one sinner repents. And then in Luke chapter 15, verses 31 and 32, it says, His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. I reckon the thing that should bring us most joy is when sinners repent. There's lots of things in life that bring me joy. Now, I I love seeing our young people song leading. I love, it brings me joy. You know, I, 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 I love seeing people doing, you know, prophesying for the first time and that sort of stuff. I, I love it. Why do I love it? I don't know. It just brings me joy seeing them starting to step out. In, in, and starting to do things. You know, I, I love it when someone has a breakthrough in life where it's been like, you know, oh, for so long I've been struggling with this area, but God has set me free. I love it. But I tell you what, the Bible says that when a sinner comes home, ooh, there's a party in heaven. And can I let you in on a secret? God knows how to throw a party. He does. Our parties are, phew, compared to his parties, Our parties are second rate. Our parties are boring compared to a party that God throws. How do I know this? I know this because he chose the Jewish people to be his chosen people. And I want to tell you, the Jewish people, they know how to party. You talk to Pastor Camille Magisterly, we've got him coming um, a little bit later in the year, you talk to him about um, the wedding he went to over in Israel once. He went to a wedding in Israel, so his plan was that he would go to a wedding and then he would return home. He went to a wedding and he ended up living in Israel for, I don't know, it was three or four years after that because he just fell in love with the place. So a wedding in Israel just doesn't go for a day. 
actually goes for about seven days. Why? Because they know how to party. They know how to celebrate. I mean, the couple get married and they go off on their honeymoon and then everyone's going, all right, yeah, let's party. <laughs> let's do it. You look at the feasts and the celebrations in the, in the Old Testament when God set it up. It's like there's just feast and festival after festival, feast after feast and festival after festival. So God knows how to throw a party. So I reckon when we get to heaven, and I know lots of people are talking about the rapture at the moment and that sort of stuff, but secretly I want to get to heaven before the rapture in some respect. And I say, well, why is that, Pastor? Because I can be part of that party. I can be part of a party when someone comes to, it's like, come on, let's party, angels. So I reckon at the moment there's a continual party in heaven because people are being added to the church daily, added to the church daily. So if heaven's response is much joy, oh, come on, can't we do that here? Let's all stand up. I forgot to mention that the youth have a youth camp coming up. Better mention that. Um, so there's some posters around with a QR code if you're wanting to um, register for that. You'll see them up the back. Um, so that is on the 30th of June, 30th to the 22nd of July. That's, that's a long youth camp. How are you going with that, Chloe? Um, 30th to the 2nd of July. <laughs> we will do that. Excellent. Hey, Holy Spirit, we want to thank you for, Lord, your goodness to us. And Lord, we just take this moment just to pause and, Lord, just to reflect and, Lord, I don't want to rush away from this moment. Lord, but I just ask even now under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit and under what your wonderful presence and your wonderful anointing, Lord, that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, we give you access into our heart and our mind. We would ask that you would speak to us about, Lord, those things that we've gone, you know what, I've got nine other things that's been lost. Once I even had it, but now it's gone. Lord, I pray you would stir our hearts tonight. And, Lord, that we would respond to your Holy Spirit and we would, we would search your word because it's a light. We would search your presence because it brings light. God, we wouldn't walk in darkness, but we would walk in the light because you are the light. Lord, that's a strong scripture we read earlier where it's like we're only fooling ourselves if we say that we're believers and yet we're walking in darkness. Why is that? Because we can't walk in darkness if we want to follow you because you are light. So, God, I, I pray that we would... Allow your word and your presence to be light in our life. Lord, that we would sweep. Lord, we would sweep our house. Lord, I know many times we pray, Holy Spirit, clean us, but there's choices we can make to not dump rubbish back in the house. Lord, I pray we would be determined, Lord, to keep our house swept. Lord, that we would rediscover and we would refine. Lord, even as you refine us, Lord, we would refine. Lord, that there would be such a purity and we wouldn't settle for that second best in our life, but we would allow, we would allow your light, Lord, to reveal, Lord, to us. And Lord, we would be the rejoicers in our society. Lord, we would be the rejoicers. Lord, we would rejoice with one another. Lord, that in a day that our joy has been tried to be stolen out of our life, Lord, we would rejoice and we would have much joy. Why? Because you're a God of joy. It's the joy of our salvation. It's the joy of our salvation. It's not the putting up with our salvation. It's the joy of salvation. Lord, so I pray that we would see much joy. Lord, that this house would be much joy. Lord, much joy in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kayavaru. 
Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.